Good morning. <laughs> there it goes. Let's all stand together. And uh, as our campus is joined with us in Stevens Point in Appleton and recite together the Apostles' Creed, this is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good morning to all you, and happy Mother's Day to everyone here and over in Stevens Point in Appleton this morning. Good morning to all of you. Trust the service has been meaningful for you so far. We are in a series called Faith 101, discuss, discussing basic spiritual concepts uh, that many of us already know because we've been in this for quite some time. But as we go along and the church grows and newer people are coming in, uh, they don't understand some of these fundamental things. It used to be in America that everybody, whether they were devout or little demons, <laughs> all were forced to do some kind of religious training. You know, Sunday schools, or you had to go to catechism or something, uh, where you got drilled at least the basics of faith. Uh, as we go along, more and more people now come into church and they have none of that. And they don't know much about anything. So we're just kind of going back to some of, some of the basic ideas of faith, the kind of clever, otherwise it gets kind of confusing for people as they start to experience their, their faith in today's world. Now, we've already done, we've been, this is our probably fourth or fifth uh, one so far. Uh, the first ones we pretty much dealt with just two basic questions. One is, does God do everything? And the answer to that is no. Not everything that happens is responsible, to, God's responsible for. Why is that important? It's amazing how many people get really bitter and angry at God because something bad happened to them. When in fact, God had nothing to do with it. You know, why'd my cat run away? Because he left the door open. Why'd God let my kitty run away? It wasn't God. It was you. All right. Now, there are some things that God definitely does in people's lives. But by and large, uh, most of what happens in this earth is us responding to this thing called free will. And when bad things happen... Don't be pointing your finger at God. Jesus taught us that when really bad things happen, it's really Satan. He says, Satan's come to rob, kill, and destroy. If something happens and it falls under the category of robbing, killing, or destroying, that's the devil. Okay, when unusually good things happen, we call these blessings from God. So just kind of straighten out that basic thought. Now, of course, then, if not everything that happens is already preordained by God, how do we get God involved in our lives? Well, that's where we talked about prayer. Prayer is inviting God into your life and asking him to specifically do things in your life. And let me encourage you, don't let your prayer life be the result of a bunch of memorized prayers that you rattle over and over again. That's not really the kind of prayer we should be praying. It's fine. Some of that's basically fine. 
But really, you should be talking to God about what you want. What do you want, God? Jesus went around and said, what do you want God to do? What do you want God to do? Ask him. Tell him. Ask him. Tell him. That's what he was doing constantly, encouraging people to connect with God. What do you want God to do in your life? And don't be just saying, I want more money, because that's pretty much a no. All right? So what do you really want God to do? Or you can get some yeses from him. That's what you want to be praying about. Uh, so today we want to uh, tackle a very uh, simple question, you know, is it okay to judge? Should we be judging people? Now, I want to read to you from two portions of scripture. First one's in the gospel, gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured right back to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in somebody's brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, take first the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right, that's from the gospel. From the epistles, we read in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more are the things of this life? Now, this seems to be at odds. Matthew records that we are not to judge. Paul says, of course you're supposed to judge. Now, is this just an ex another example of a contradiction in the Bible? Hardly. It really depends on what kind of judging you're doing, because there's different kinds of judging. Well, one is a good kind, another is a very bad kind. I break it down into really two simple categories. One, there is speculative judging, which we are not supposed to be doing. And then there is pointing out what is right and wrong, which the Bible will refer to as judging, uh, which we are supposed to do. Now, speculative judging is when you come to a conclusion without knowing all the facts, or even if you do know some of the facts, to come to a conclusion is judging, the kind of judging you should not be doing. It's speculative judging. It might seem, because of this, that, and the other, that this person's guilty of this, that, or whatever, but you don't know that for sure. Don't be jumping to conclusions based, because oftentimes you'll jump to a wrong conclusion. And then you put someone in a very bad light and look at them very harshly. That's the kind of judging you should not be doing. Speculative judging, another way of looking at it, is when uh, someone does something and you don't know why they do it, so you give the reason why. Why'd that person do that? Because it's a big fat jerk. Well, you don't know that, all right? Why didn't he do it? Because he hates me. You don't know that either. You're adding the why to someone's deal, all right? Your husband may not have remembered to get you a Mother's Day card today. Can't imagine. You can jump to the conclusion, well, he's just hateful. No, 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 you don't know that. He's just probably ignorant. <laughs> you know, uh, I was driving in my car and I saw Pastor Mark and I waved at him and he didn't wave back and he's such a jerk. I've actually had this happen to me. Now listen to me. If you see me driving, I am in a zone. I'm as close to a legal coma as one can possibly be. 
You waving at me, I'm probably not going to wave. The only way I see you waving is if I'm about to run you over. You know, that, that I'll see. I may not even stop. All right? Jumping out. He's just a, such a jerk. He, well, you don't know that. Don't be judging. Are you coming to conclusions? You don't know the facts. Don't you be given why someone does something. You know, I, was, I saw that guy in church. I, I wanted to talk to him. He just walked right past me. He just hates me. You don't know that. He might have had the runs. <laughs> Anybody been there before? Hi, how you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> don't slow me down. <laughs> well, he did shake my hand. Well, at, try shake it again another time. If he doesn't ask him. You know, there's some really embarrassing. I, you know, I've seen and heard of situations Heard guys who've told me this, and you'll see this in movies every once in a while, where somebody's sitting at a table, and he's convinced that some guy's eyeing up his wife, and he gets really mad. He's going to go over and punch the guy, and he finds out that he's blind. <laughs> Wait, now you're a moron, all right? Because you don't know all the facts. Don't be jumping to conclusions. <laughs> when, I was, <laughs> when I was preparing for this, I thought of this thing. Many of you have seen this on the internet, but I love this. It's, uh, it's called His Diary, Her Diary. And uh, here's how she, end, how she writes in her diary at the end of the day. Tonight, I thought my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but, but he didn't say much. I asked him, what's wrong? And he said, nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me, not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly, but just kept driving. <laughs> I can't explain his behavior, right? I don't know why he didn't say I love you back. When we got home, I, I felt as I had lost him completely. <laughs> as if he wanted nothing more to do with me. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed. But I still felt that he was distracted that his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I cried. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure his thoughts were someone else. My life is a disaster. This is what he wrote in his diary at the end of the day. My motorcycle wouldn't start today. Can't figure out why. The end. Yeah. All the men. Amen. Preach it, brother. Don't be jumping to conclusions. You don't know Jack. And by the way, ladies, when a man, you ask a man, what's he thinking about? And he says, nothing. There ain't nothing there. <laughs> I know you're convinced you're, we're withholding from you some deep emotional connection. 
Nope. That's the kind of judging you should not be doing, jumping to conclusions when you don't know all the facts. Well, how do I find out? Go talk to them. Find out for yourself. Think somebody hates you? Go talk to them. They might hate you. <laughs> I don't know. At least you'll know for sure then. At least find out why. Don't be adding, coming up to why people do things. We all do this. Why well, he does this. He's a jerk. He is. Stop. Then there's the kind of judging that we should be doing. And that is simply pointing out what is right and what is wrong. Now, this is not very popular today. And if there's one thing that a lot of people hate about Christians is because we talk about what is right and what is wrong. And the response is that you're judging. Well, not the kind of judging you're thinking, but that's not judging. That's just, it's right and it's wrong. If you literally see something doing some, someone doing something bad and you point it out, they yell, don't judge me. You know, you see someone stealing at work. Hey, you shouldn't be stealing at work. Don't judge me. What? I'm not judging you. You're stealing. <laughs> now, why you're judge stealing, I don't know. Might be a reason you have. <laughs> but that's not judging to point out what someone's doing is not judging. Someone tells you they're doing something bad. You don't judge me. Don't judge. You hear that? Don't judge. You Jesus said don't judge. You know, it's amazing how many people who do really bad things and never been to church ever in their life and never read the Bible, but they quote that part of the Bible. Bible says don't judge. Yeah, what else does the Bible say? I don't know. <laughs> don't judge me. Don't judge me. You know, if somebody come to me in a conversation and say, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm committing adultery. I said, well, well, you're not supposed to be committing it. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. You told me. You, you know what I'm saying? I killed somebody. You're a killer. Don't judge me. You said you killed them. Don't judge me. You judge. Don't judge. Everybody judge. You hear this so much in the world today? People are going, oh, don't judge. Don't look at me. You know, don't judge. I know you're judging me right now. Really? Check your medication. Just relax. I, I don't these people know what judging is. You don't remember. Reminds me of The Princess Bride. I love this movie. If you've never seen this movie, you ought to see this movie. It's a great movie. One of the great movies of all time, in my opinion. Which means I'm very twisted. But it's a comedy. It's just a just romantic, insane, very funny thing. But anyway, there's this little guy in the beginning, first part of the film, that he's this little Sicilian guy. And uh, he always says, inconceivable! Inconceivable! And whenever he'd say something was inconceivable, it would happen. Which is a little odd, because inconceivable not only means it's not possible, one can't even conceive of it, of being possible. Hence, inconceivable. So everything that would happen, he said, inconceivable, and it would happen anyway. And there was this Spaniard with him, Inigo Montoya. <laughs> My name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Right? Says it over. It's hilarious. Anyway, Inigo Montoya listens to him going, inconceivable. Finally says, you keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> That's what I think when people say, no, don't judge me. It's not judging. See, what they want you to do is stop saying what's right and wrong. And no, actually, we're supposed to say what's right and what's wrong. We're not supposed to be mean about it. 
not supposed to be nasty and hurtful to people, but all you got to do is so much as say and people go nuts today. But as people of faith, we are, Jesus said, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We're supposed to be there, the conscience of the world, reminding people of just basic morality. Now, what they do with it is up to them, but we still will say, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't be committed adultery, you shouldn't do all these. It's not that long of a list, to be quite frank. It's not even that many, but people get so mad today and they scream, you're judging, but that's not judging. John the Baptist got himself in trouble because he pointed out that what Herod was doing was wrong. Herod, uh, uh, brother, was married to this chick and he liked the chick, so he steals the chick. So now she's living with him. Well, that's wrong. You know, you're not supposed to take your brother's wife. And John the Baptist pointed that out and uh, he got arrested and the chicky-poo so hated John that he, she orchestrated it to have his head cut off. That's how he got his head cut off just because he pointed out you shouldn't be doing that. We're supposed to be talking about what is right and wrong. Um, sadly today, people don't want to feel bad about anything. Uh, we live in such an insane culture today that is so politically correct and insane. We believe it is now a right never to feel bad. You know, you can't say certain words. You can't use certain phrases. You can't give certain opinions. In universities today, you got whole groups of college kids who protest certain speakers coming. No, we don't, we don't want to hear. You know, they think they have a right not to hear something they don't like. It's just getting crazy. Churches have gotten caught up in this nonsense. And they just, their main goal in life is never to make people feel bad. And I have this very strange concept that if you do something bad, you should feel bad. People, I've, as I travel around the world, I'm in all kinds of churches all the time. I'm in churches that are so... Die my, uh, so, so oppose to what we think. But I go anyway. Why do I go? Because they asked me to come. I felt a long time ago, you know, I used to go to churches that I know were really, you know, they were super way out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And oh, Should I be going to these churches? And I felt like God put on my heart, look, I didn't call you to go out into the world and fix everybody's theology. I called you to talk to them about relationships. And that really set me free. I thought, so when I go out, I don't try to fix anybody's theology. When I'm here, I try to fix your theology because <laughs> that's my job here. All right, but it's not my calling. And, but as I travel around, if there's one thing I hear all the time from churches today, it's, every time I hear it, I just want to scream. But I just shut up. And that is, we don't want anybody to feel guilt or shame. We don't want anybody to feel guilt or shame. These are churches who never talk about it. They never are the light of the world that they're supposed to be in terms of talking about basically what is right is wrong, which is the truth. They think they'll attract more people if you don't do that, when in fact, you don't really attract more people when you do that. Every church that has adopted where they totally refuse to talk about what's right or wrong eventually dies. All the major denominations that have changed their opinion, what the Bible used to say was wrong, while we don't think it's wrong anymore, they all tend to die. They are convinced that, you know, if that would just happen, uh, more people would come into Christianity, but they don't because what attracts people to God is truth. And people want, not meanness, but truth. And there's a difference. You know, I, I read so much about the millennials today. You know, the millennials today, they don't want you to talk about what's right and wrong. They just talk about love. Millennials, millennials. Most of these millennials can't even spell the word millennial. 
They're convinced, oh, I know the Bible says, but who cares what the Bible says? You know, we need to reevaluate. That's a big thing today, especially in sexuality. Everybody, oh, we've got to redefine what, what the Bible says. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's still right is right and wrong. You don't have to hate anybody about it, but it is what it is. So we just talk about the truth, but this idea of knowing. We don't want, we don't want to talk about truth because we don't want anybody to feel guilty and shame. And the worst thing you can do is make people feel guilt or shame, and I think that's absurd. The only people in the world who don't feel guilt and shame are psychopaths. That's what a psychopath is. Look it up. You doubt me? Look it up. A psychopath is a person who never feels guilt or shame. Jesus to go, told us to go in all the world and make disciples, which are disciplined followers. You need to go all the world and make psychopaths out of people. I have this strange concept. If you do something guilty, you should feel guilty. You do something shameful, you should feel shameful. doesn't mean it's the end of the world. We believe in forgiveness. That's why we talk about forgiveness. But if you don't know about what's right and wrong, you know, it's not wrong with me. I don't need forgiveness for anything. And that's not helpful to people. I hear people say, you know, I don't like going to church because they, just, they make you feel guilty. Well, <laughs> Hello, <laughs> maybe you're guilty. Have you considered that? You know, that's like getting, saying, yeah, I used to have this mirror, but when I got it in the morning, it made me look so ugly, I got rid of that stupid mirror. <laughs> Hello, that mirror was your friend. <laughs> now, it's Mother's Day today, and if you look at all the women over in Stevens Point, Appleton here, we have some of the most beautiful women in the world come to our church. You see these beautiful faces? They didn't wake up looking like this. All right? You would be shocked. In fact, when they wake up, they're shocked. Yeah. So, so they, they have to do things. They have to put on their face because women are born without faces. They're faceless when they wake up. There's no faces on them. They have to put on their face and do all this stuff and priming and propping. Some of them, it takes forever, but... When they're done, we go, thank God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she gets all dolled Oh, there you are. <laughs> Who was that lady I saw earlier? Man, that was scary, you know? <laughs> so now, a mirror is not your enemy. It's your friend. Okay? You know, you look in the mirror and you see a big piece of egg stuck here. That's helpful. What's not helpful is your friends who you talk to for an hour ahead of time, and they never told you you had egg on your face. <laughs> Those are not your friends. Truth is designed to help us to adjust, to comb. Well, I guess I don't have to comb anything anymore. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I used to have hair way out to here, man. I fought with that thing every day. Now I just go, praise God. You know, I wake up beautiful now. I'm bald. But uh, truth, the mirror of truth isn't to condemn people. To look in the mirror and go, <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm a hideous creature. No, it's there to help you. Oh, fix it. Well, so adjust our lives to the truth. This idea of never trying to people feel guilty or shameful about things is, is absurd. Sadly, much of the Christian community today has abandoned talking about anything that's right and wrong because we're afraid of making people upset. But to what end? As a result, the very people in our churches today are clueless about some of the most fundamental truths. 
Now, not our churches. We talk about these things. We're not afraid to talk about it. We're not hateful and mean to people. We just tell you the truth. But boy, you talk about one area today where people have no clue. It's when it comes to the area of morality. Don't worry, it's Mother's Day. We won't get graphic. But people who, I get emails all the time. Pastor Mark, you know, from people all over the world, literally. And they say, oh, Pastor Mark, I'm really involved in our church. I'm one of the elders of our church and stuff, you know, but I'm committing adultery and stuff, but we really love Jesus and we're just praying, we pray together. I mean, they say that completely clueless. They truly have no idea that what they're doing is wrong. I mean, when you've got millions of Christians all the world today who have no idea that what they're doing and committing adultery is even wrong, you gotta, what in the world are these churches teaching? Me and my boyfriend, we really love Jesus. We're in the worship band, but we fornicate our brains out, but we really love God. I get these emails. I'm not making it up. And it's like, hello? Now, to give you an idea of how far we've fallen since the whole sexual revolution, the church abdicating any kind of, because we don't want to get people upset, just change the rule that they're talking about, and you'll see how shocking it is. Me and my boyfriend really love Jesus, but we kill people. Not good people, just bad people. And we bury them deep in the backyard so the neighbors can't smell them. You know, that's, you, you'd, you'd be shocked. Me and my boyfriend, we, we really love you, but we lie to old people. And we go in their homes and tell them something really scary and stuff. We walk up. <laughs> you'd be mortified. You're what? Me and my boyfriend, we love Jesus. We, we serve community every Sunday, but we steal from people. Just people who have good insurance. You'd go, what? Any of those things. But today, me and my boy do this, that, and the other, and nobody, not even a response. They say it freely. They don't think it's wrong. That's why they share it freely. Oh, we fornicate all the time. We're doing this. We do that. I'm committing adultery, you know, but there's no sense of shame. Oh, we've, we've succeeded there. Isn't that great? Or people are living and then they wonder why their lives are struggling, why they struggle in their faith because they're just covered with this horrible sin that they refuse to turn from. They don't even know it's sin anymore. Now, when you point these things out to people, it's not that you hate them. We're not supposed to be hating people. Romans, the eighth chapter, says this. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, condemnation says you're wrong, you're bad, you're doomed, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's condemnation. You're going to the electric chair, you're on death row. There's no more appeals. You are a condemned man, a condemned woman. There's churches who are very condemning. I will grant that. And I think that's what everybody's responded to, trying to get away from that, but they've gone way too far. You know, to tell people, you're just a rotten, filthy sinner. There's nothing you can do, and you're no good, and you're going to hell. is not particularly uplifting. <laughs> that can be discouraging. You don't want to. You look in that mirror, I'm doomed. I can't fix it. Well, we don't believe in that. We believe that there's no condemnation if you come to Jesus because there's forgiveness of sin. The Bible says, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they can be white as snow. You know, Jesus was great at not coming to people and saying, you know, I don't condemn you. The church is good at that, but we're terrible at the second part, which is go and sin no more. <laughs> See, that's the part we don't talk about anymore. We need to say, yes, there's forgiveness, but there's a way of doing things right. It's not harsh judging, the kind of judging Jesus said don't do, but it is the kind of judging that Paul said we should be doing. Judging which is right, 
what is wrong, arguing for the truth. Why? Not because the truth crushes people. Condemnation, harshness, anger, and nastiness crushes people. We should never do that. But when you speak the truth in love, that might convict somebody, but truth draws people to God. That's why we want to talk about the truth. Now, when it comes to judging, coming to conclusions, you don't know why, adding why people do this, stop that. That kind of judging we should not be doing. But we should always advocate for the truth because the truth draws people to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your kindness, and your truth. You are faithful and good to us. Lord, help us to always realize that you love people, and we should always, when speaking the truth, speak it in love, never mean or harsh or nasty to people, but to speak the truth nonetheless. As for the bad kind of judging, Lord, forgive us. Help us not to do that. Help us not to just assume stuff when we don't have all the facts. Help us not to just assign motives to other people's actions when we don't really know why they're doing it. Help us, Lord, to have the courage, if we're confused, to just go talk to people about the way they are acting or not acting in our lives. And again, help us to always speak the truth in love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have a fabulous day, ladies. Bless you.